Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. Um, all right, so we are in a series called Creature Comfort. And uh, we're basically talking about, uh, well, we are talking about the seven deadly sins. It's kind of what this series is all about. And basically the idea is that there's a lot of things that sort of um, reveal themselves in our life whether it's hurt or frustration or difficulty with other people or disappointment or anxiety and things like that, that we, we tend to um, try to bandage the exterior rather than deal with the stuff that's going on deep down. And sort of what this series is all about is addressing some of the root issues that we find ourselves dealing with so that we can actually grow and be transformed and walk in all the things that God has for us. So we're talking about these seven deadly sins. And basically how we've been breaking it down is we've been talking about a vice and a virtue. We've been looking at the vice that we struggle with and then the virtue that sort of combats that struggle. We're talking about the menaces that plague us and the mercies of God that helps us overcome. That's basically the gist um, of this series. So uh, the seven deadly sins are sort of to remind us our pride, greed, lust, envy, gluttony, wrath, and laziness or sloth. And uh, tonight we're going to talk about the third one, which is lust. And lust, if we're sort of summarized, we've got this list. Lust is the desire for more pleasure. Envy is more of theirs. Gluttony is more entertainment. Wrath is more emotions. Laziness is more comfort. Greed is more stuff. And pride is more self. So tonight we're going to talk about lust and what this desire looks like and how we combat it. All right, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3. You guys there? 1 Thessalonians 4. If not, it'll be on the screen, but uh, it's good to have the Bible open uh, so you know where it is on your on your device. All right, First um, Thessalonians four. You guys good? A little little disclaimer before we get going. This is a, um, I think a sensitive topic. It's a common topic, and if we could just sort of set the 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 atmosphere for tonight. I told our team that like this tonight's not going to be like gnarly. It's not going to be like, ugh, like makes us feel uncomfortable. But I do think there's going to be a sensitive sensitivity to the Holy Spirit as he. Um, as he pokes on things in our life. And I think that a a topic like lust is something that is actually far more common than you would realize. One of the lies of the enemy is that he wants to make you think that you're alone in your struggle, that you're the only one, that everybody else is perfect, they don't deal with this, everybody else doesn't walk through what you're walking through. And because if the enemy can isolate you, then he can keep you from what God wants for you. And so sort of we can just like, let the cat out of the bag tonight and say this is a common struggle for both men and women. And so we're going to break down what it looks like and uh, hopefully find some help and growth in it tonight. Sound good? All right. And if it gets uh, like too tense, because sometimes it's not going to, but if it does, I might make like a weird joke to just lighten the mood. All right? Um, okay. First Thessalonians 4 says this. It is God's will, somebody say God's will, that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid or abstain sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, 
not in passionate lusts like the pagans who don't know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before, for God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. This passage basically warns against lust and sexual immorality. Now, um, let me just also say, if this is your first time here tonight, we love you. We're so happy that you're with us. Um, and uh, we don't always talk about this subject, but I think it's appropriate. Here we are in part three of our series. And I also think it's important that notoriously the church has attempted to answer questions that nobody's asking. Like you tend to come to church and you're like, what does that have to do with anything? Um, tonight we're going to really address a subject that a lot of people are talking about. This is a really common one. If you go on social media, if you go to YouTube, if you watch TV, this is sort of a, a, a uh, thing we talk a lot about. And so our goal tonight is to really give us the biblical perspective, God's heart, when it comes to these sort of desires and feelings that we all tend to face and walk through, and how do we grow through them. So I think that although it might be like a little tense, it's something that we all can relate to and something that we're bombarded with constantly. Now, basically, this text shows us two roads or two destinations. It sort of paints in contrast the, the road or the destination of lust and then the road and destination of purity. Let's look at some of the words that this, this text has to do with lust. We'll throw this on the screen. This is sort of summarizes all the words that, or, or destinations that have to do with lust. It says sexual immorality. It says passionate lust or uncontrolled desire. It says you're like the pagans. It says it, you take advantage of others. It's committing sins. There's punishment from God, and there's rejection from God. So imagine if, if, if lust is a road that leads to a destination. The destination is immorality, uncontrolled desire, like the pagans, taking advantage of others, committing sin, punishment from God, rejecting God. That's where it leads. Are you with me? And then in contrast, it says, let's say purity is a road that leads to a destination. The destination is God's will, that you're sanctified or set apart, that you're practicing self-control, that you're holy and honorable, that you know God, you're living a holy life and filled with the Holy Spirit. So two roads that lead to two destinations. And you can really see a distinction, can't you? That, that one road leads to a life that's holy and honorable and set apart and filled with God's grace and filled with God's goodness. And the other one lives, leads to a life of emptiness, regret, uh, uh, remorse, and ultimately at odds with people and with God. Two actions that stand in opposition to each other and lead us to different lifestyles and lives. One is honored and blessed by God. One is destructive to self, others, and harms our relationship with God. So let's talk about these ideas. What is lust? Now there's two words that describe lust in these verses. The first one is sexual immorality. This is a general word. 
it speaks of any illicit or impure sexual desire and action. Um, the Greek word is the word porneia. We get the word pornography, but it speaks to any and all sexual desire and action that is outside of the boundary that God set up. So this word sexual immorality, it's a very vague and general word that just speaks of any sexual action or desire that is outside of the boundary that God set up. So that's the first word. The second word used here is the word lust. This word, it literally means deferred or corrupted and vile passions. Okay, so it's deferred or corrupted and vile passions. You could put it like misguided passions. Because passions are good. To have desire, it is good. To have ambition, it is good. But when we're controlled by our passions, rather than controlling our passion, it leads to bad behavior. It's the difference between being motivated by instinct rather than intellect. Um, anybody have dogs? Anybody have dogs? Okay, dogs usually live by instinct. There's something inside of them that has just this natural uh, uh, instinct to do and behave. That's why the common greeting between dogs is to sniff one another's butts. Right? That's like, hey, what's up, dude? Spin that thing around, right? Like, <laughs> I told you there was going to be weird jokes to cut the tension. But it's, a, it's an instinct, right? Nobody taught a dog to do that. There's not dog class that says, all right, so the common greeting is this. You got it? Got it. Let's do it. Like that's, that, it's instincts. It's natural. There's this, there's this desire versus an intellect, which is thoughtful, intentional, mindful. And what we need to understand is that when you let your passions or your desires drive you, it behaves more like instinct or sort of like a dog sort of acting or reacting how it behaves rather than being mindful and intentional. Are you with me? And so the idea of uncontrolled or, or, or just rampant, desired, misguided passions is what happens when we're living with lust. We're behaving on instinct rather than intellect. Now something to understand about lust as we move through it is that lust is bad, not just because God says it, because of what it but because of what it does. Because I think sometimes we, we sort of imagine God like he's up there bored just making rules. Like he's like, hmm, what do people like to do? Eh, that's wrong. Let's make it bad. And, and so we have sort of a backwards view of God's plans and purposes like God is withholding good things. What you need to understand is that God actually was the one that invented uh, uh, sex and the desire for it. That from the very beginning it was designed by God and the Bible says that God called it good. So relationship and intimacy and all of that is good designed by God. But it becomes bad not just because God says it's bad or lust becomes bad. Not because God says it's bad but because of what it does. The reason God says things are bad is because they're harmful to us and others. God's not withholding pleasure from us. He's, he, he, he wants to protect us. God wants us to avoid pain and disappointment and, and harming ourselves and others. Listen to what 1 John 2.15 says about lust. It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. 
If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. Now, the world that it's speaking of is not, not like the planet. It's not like, the, it's not like trees. It's speaking of the world system. Sort of the way that humanity arranges itself apart from God. It says, if anybody loves that, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything that's in the world is three things. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It comes not from the Father, but from the world. Listen, the world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. So there's a contrast here again. There's two roads with two destinations. One lasts forever, one passes away. And part of the reason lust and passion desire is wrong is because it's not satisfying, it's not fulfilling, it's not forever. God wants us to live sustainable, long-term lives filled with contentment. Feeding into every impulse and desire does not satisfy. It harms yourself. And others. And so it says the lust of the flesh, the, 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 the lust of the eyes, these desire, it's, it's passing away. It's fleeting. The Bible says that the eyes are never full. That, that, that you, you'll never get content with those actions. But those who do the will of God live forever. There's, there's peace and there's purpose and there's contentment. We live in a world that is driven by appetite and desire. In our world today, the results, um, over 50% of marriages end in divorce. Every 98 seconds, a sexual assault happens in the U.S. The internet is over 30% pornography. It is a multi-billion dollar industry that does more revenue than the NFL, Major League Baseball, and the NBA combined. And no one is happy and no one's satisfied. And God wants to protect us from this so that we can have real life and real fulfillment in life. The warning, the reason lust is harmful is not because God's like, hey, this is bad because I say it's bad. God says this is bad because it's, it's passing away. It's unsatisfying. It's unfulfilled. You won't be happy. It takes you from what God has for you. It hurts you and relationships you have with others. Listen to what 1 Peter 2 says. It says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Second reason God says it's, it's dangerous for us, one is because it, it, it harms you, it harms others, and it's, it's unsatisfying in your life. But secondly, we're told that it actually wages war against your soul. That feeding your flesh, feeding your appetites, it doesn't just affect your body, your physical body. It doesn't just affect the people around you. It actually impacts you on the deepest part of who you are, your soul. There are studies that show that doing things God's way actually leads to more fulfilled lives. The healthiest and happiest relationships have proven to be from abstaining until marriage and then being monogamous in marriage. So, so not only like is this like the will of God like we talk about, but it's also studies show that it proves to be the happiest and healthiest ways to do relationships. It's almost as if God knows what he's talking about. 
It's almost as if God lays, lays out a roadmap for us to follow knowing that his way is actually the best way that leads to the most satisfaction, the most fulfillment, actually the most pleasure and the most joy doing things God's way rather than our way or the world's way. And the warning here is that it impacts you on the deepest level because we're more than just a body and physical intimacy impacts you in the deepest way. So that is lust. That's what it is. So what does it look like in our lives or how does it behave? Um, Number one, you can write this down. Lust looks like unbridled or uncontrolled desire. Lust looks like, so what it's going to look like on the surface of your life, it looks like unbridled or uncontrolled desire. Um, I thought, I know it's a little warm in here, but I I think I'm going to build a fire real quick, if that's all right. Um, So let me just get, hold on, I I might need some help. Um, But I'm going to build, I got these starter logs. You guys a little cold up there? I I could tell you're a little cold. So I'm going to build a fire. I made it look so nice earlier. I'm going to try to do it like this. All right, that looks all right. Yeah, perfect. And then got my little gas. Got a little bit in there. Oh, these are the stupid ones that... Whatever. There's a little came out. We're good. We don't need much. All right, here we go. You ready? Okay, so what, what's the problem with this scene? Wait, what's the problem? Oh, the, that? You mean that? That? What, what, what's, what's the primary problem with this? The pyro says nothing. No, the, 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 problem is, the problem is not that I have firewood. The problem is not even that I have gasoline. That might be a problem, but the problem is not even that I have gasoline. The problem is not that I have fire either. The, the problem is where I'm trying to do this, right? Because if, if you and I were camping, and I was like, it's getting a little cold, like we need to figure out how we're going to cook our beans, um, we, we would have to, we'd have to, Build a fire, right? So, so the problem is not the substances. The problem is the location. Are you with me? What we need to understand about passion and desire is that, one, it's created by God. It's, it's, it's good in the right context. Fire is good in the right context, correct? Fire in the wrong context, you're like, Nate, you're going to blow this place up. Gasoline and fire in the building is not a good idea. And so what we need to understand, the same is true when it comes to our passions, our desires, especially around the, uh, the, the, the lustful desires that we carry, is that, that oftentimes we tend to sort of feed those appetites in the wrong way and in the wrong location. And what lust looks like, it looks like unbridled, unfiltered, just desire feeding whatever it is that we have. Because God designed physical intimacy. It's supposed to be enjoyed between one man and one woman under the covenant of marriage. But uncontrolled 
or unchecked can cause all sorts of damage to you and to others. The second thing that lust does is lust reduces people to objects and identity to sexuality. Lust, uncontrolled desire, reduces people to objects and identity to sexuality. Jesus warns against not just acting on lust, but lusting within your own heart, Jesus would say. The reason for this is to view other people as image bearers of God, not as objects to possess. This is important that we understand. That when you feed lust, what it does is it begins to view people as objects for your pleasure rather than image bearers of God. Each and every one of you is an image bearer of God. You are designed in the image of God. God has a plan for your life. He's got a purpose for your life. He wants to give you a future and a hope. He wants you to experience the joy and the identity and the love and the favor and the goodness and the hope that he has for you. And each and every one of you carry that. You carry the image of God. The, the Bible says that, that, that we've, been, uh, we've been formed, we've been knit together by God, created to reflect him in our life, in our behavior, and in our world. But what happens when we feed this desire is we begin to view, what, maybe subtly, maybe, maybe without even realizing it, but we begin to view other people as objects for us to possess rather than as image bearers of God. Everyone becomes a means for personal pleasure and gain. What it also does when we feed it, and we see this in our world today, it views everyone's value in light of their sexuality or preference. We live in a culture that has radically shaped our value system based upon who we're attracted to. And the ability to express your desires determines your level of value. That's what our world says. Basically, it reduces your whole life into your appetites, into your desires. It reduces your whole life into a preference. Can I, can I just sort of just say it plainly and clearly? God created you as more than just a sexual being. You have intrinsic value that goes beyond your desire. And it's important for us in a world that says otherwise. The world that says we're not important, we're not valuable, we don't exist until we can do this or we can behave like that or we can experience this and we can live however we want. God wants you to understand that you're actually created with far more value than that. That you're not just your appetites, you're not just your desires, that you can actually experience more to life and the fullness of life walking with God. So, how do we combat the sin of lust? Are you guys still with me? Is this helpful? Okay, how do we combat the, the sin of lust? And I, I, each, each week we've been kind of being heavy on exposing what it looks like. Um, so the first part of the teaching has always been sort of the heaviest part for us because I think it's important for us, like we're talking about these, these deep down issues and how they expose themselves different ways, it's important for us to address that. But I want to close with a, a decent amount of time talking about how we combat, how we combat 
lust. And the virtue to combat lust is purity. Now, that's a very general term. I'm going to break it down what it looks like more specifically. But to sort of put those two in contrast with one another like we did at the beginning, that the, the virtue is purity. And purity will look like three things practically in our life. Three things that we read about in this text that purity will look like practically in our life. Number one, it's going to look like being set apart. Purity in our life looks like being set apart. The word here for set apart is sanctified. The idea of set apart is that you are designed for specific use. The problem with lust and impurity is that it takes special things and makes it common. The, the problem with impurity and lust is it takes special things and makes it common. You need to understand that you are not common. You're not, you're not plain. You're not, just, you're not just everyday use. God created you to be special. The Bible says that you are a holy people. Uh, you are God's chosen people, designed on purpose for a purpose. And what happens is when we feed our appetites, we make something that God created special and we make it common. Uh, in my house growing up, I'm, I'm sure I've said this before, but my, my parents had like a china cabinet. You guys know about china cabinets? Um, and in the china cabinet was like fancy dishes, fancy plates, like fancy like tea glasses, some silverware, like nice stuff. And those would only come out on special occasions. In fact, in my entire life of living at home, they never came out. So shows you the value that I have. They're like, Nate's birthday? Nah, Christmas? Not with Nate around. Right? Never once did they come out. But they were designed intentionally. They were set apart for specific use. What happens is we need to understand that you are more like that than the fork that you find in your everyday silverware drawer. And yet so often we view ourselves like just that every day, it doesn't matter, the fork's a little bent, like the handle's falling apart, like Hannah and I just got new silverware, like across, and, and we, for some reason, I, I meant to ask you about this, we kept all the old ones for some reason, it's just off on the side, um, but, but it's, it's the everyday use. Do you see the difference? And oftentimes, when it comes to our desires and, our, and the things that we, we feed, we make something that's designed to be special and set apart, and we make it common. You are not common. You're set apart by God. So being pure means you're set apart, and you're walking in that uh, uh, sanctification. The second idea of purity, what it looks like, is it looks like learning to self-control. Lust, I keep saying this, lust is an appetite. And the more you feed it, the more it grows. <laughs> and the more it grows, the stronger it becomes. So in order to get rid of it, you have to starve it. You have to learn to say no. You have to learn to flee situations and feelings that lead to compromise. It says, in this verse, it says that you need to be set apart. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you would be set apart, that you would, you would abstain from sexual immorality. And then it goes on, it says that, and in that same idea of abstaining from self, uh, uh, sexual immorality, it says that you would learn to control your own body. That there's a part of us that has to learn to self-control. You have to learn it. <laughs> 
have to, we have to find ourselves in opportunity and, and situations to compromise, and we have to learn to say no to that and say yes to God. And then the third thing that purity looks like, not only is it being set apart, learning self-control, but it also looks like submitting to the Holy Spirit. Worship team, you guys can come back up here, but look at verse 7. It ends this way. We read it already. It says, For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God. Listen, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. We are called to be holy. <laughs> We're called to be holy. In fact, the Bible says, God speaking, be holy for I am holy. We're called to be holy. And part of the work of the Holy Spirit in our life is to make us holy. I'm going to say that again. So I think it's kind of redundant and obvious, but clear. Part of the work of the Holy Spirit in our life is to make you holy. And the Holy Spirit does this. He does this through conviction and correction. Right? Where there's times, there's moments, there's feelings where we can sense God speaking to us. Maybe it's that internal struggle that we're facing to either, to either send that text or to go to that website or, or to go to that person's Instagram page or whatever it is. And there's that internal struggle that you're facing. And, and, it, and it feels like a voice or it feels like a, 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 this like split desire, some desire saying, hey, let's not. Don't do that. And the Holy Spirit, he speaks to you through conviction and correction. He also makes us holy through strengthening and stirring us. That the Spirit of God wants to actually empower you to walk with him. And to stir you not just uh, to not do bad things, but also to walk in good things. Part of one of the ways you fight temptation is by by occupying your time with better things. Sometimes we find ourselves doing common things because we, we've sort of set up our life for common practices. One of the ways we fight that temptation is to set our minds, set our attention, set our life towards better things, towards heavenly things. And the Holy Spirit does this through renewing your mind with the word of God. The Holy Spirit wants to make you holy. He does this through conviction and correction, through strengthening and stirring, and through renewing your mind with the word of God. And listen, our job as he works is to submit or yield to his correction, his direction, and his instruction. I want to encourage us tonight with a... With a with a topic like this and, and a room, you know, filled with different walks of life and different experiences, maybe different struggles or, or, or things like that. Um, my point in this teaching is not shame. My point in this teaching is not guilt. My, my point in this teaching is not to make you sweat. Um, the goal for this teaching is to lay out for you I mean, really clearly the will of God. A better way, a higher way, a life filled with joy and purpose and satisfaction and, and all that God has for you.
And so I know when it, when it comes to a topic like this, some of you maybe check out right away because you're like, I just can't even hear this because I just, I condemn myself and I, 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 just, I just don't even want to listen. That's not the goal at all. The goal for this is a couple things. One, to help us realize like we're actually all in this together and we all struggle. We all have difficulties. We all have temptations. We all have vices. But then also to encourage us that there is a better way. There's a life filled with, with joy and purpose and satisfaction. Now, don't mishear me. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be perfect. It's not like, okay, you're going to walk out of this room and you're never going to deal with temptation again and life's just going to be awesome. Probably the opposite. Probably you'll go home tonight and uh, you'll probably be tempted. <laughs> Maybe more than ever. But God wants us to learn to yield to him, submit to him, so that we can grow and experience the life he has for us. And also, let me, let me just say one other thing. Jesus makes the distinction between Jesus makes the distinction between lust in your heart and the action. He makes a distinction. Now, Jesus says, he says, if you lust in your heart after somebody else, he says, you've committed sin. It's sin. But we need to also recognize that there's, there's, uh, there, I just want to say this like delicately, but clearly, I guess, because I, what I don't want is that, that you think that every thought of attraction or every thought of like desire is bad. That's not my heart at all. There's like a line that gets crossed. You know what I'm saying? There's a line that gets crossed. I just want us to find freedom tonight. Tonight is not about condemnation or guilt or shame or burden. That's not the point. The, the, the point tonight is that God is laying out for us two roads and two destinations. One that's filled with regret and shame and hurt and, and, and to yourself and to others. Another that is difficult and hard and narrow, but it leads to life and satisfaction and pleasure and purpose. And really what we have to choose is are we going to walk in purity? Are we going to live set apart? Are we going to live self-controlled? Are we going to live dependent, submitted to the spirit of God? And are we going to allow him to renew us and transform us and change us so that we can experience the life that he has for us? And each day we get to make that choice. Each day we get to walk in the things that God has for us. So as we close, let's all stand together. I'm going to pray for us.